Well, as we close this uh, series of messages out, it's been about worship, and I've said certain things each week. I'm going to kind of say a few of those to start with again today. Uh, what we've said is that everyone, whether we know it or don't know it, we worship. We are worshipers. It's either a person, place, or thing. It's either God, the creator, or something God created. And whatever it is we worship, it's the organizing principle of our life. It defines our values. It's how we make decisions. It's what we pursue knowingly and unknowingly. We've said that worship, it's a conviction. It's an interior conviction that someone or something is worthy of our supreme regard and supreme trust. Keep that in mind. Worship is not just singing songs like we just did. That is a, an expression of worship. That is important. But worship is me, it's you, it's, it's coming to a conviction that someone or something is worthy of my supreme regard and supreme trust. And so there's a spontaneity to this. I'm doing this because I am convinced this person has the competence and this person or thing has the character that causes me to supremely regard them and supremely trust them. We've said that worship is, is logical. It is thinking. I just described the process. We examine if somebody is worthy. Do they have the competence? Do they have the char character? But, it, but it's also visceral. It's also emotional. In other words, the one that we worship or whatever we worship, it's something that we actually like. And when we're worshiping the Creator, we not only like Him, we like His will, we like His ways, we like His principles, we like His promises, His plans, His purposes. And we, we so like the Creator that we want to, earnestly we want to become like the Creator. That is part of worship. What we worship, we want to become like. All right, got to prepare you. Some of you are here today, and you are brand spanking new to, to the Bible. You, you've never read the Bible much. You don't know much about the Bible. And so I just want to forewarn you that, that today's message is, is going to feel like, you know, tinfoil hat day or something. You know, you're, you're going to be like, whoa, where did that come from? So try to be patient. Had you been here in the first five messages, you would have seen that it was very practical. It's very, you know, uh, appropriate for day-to-day -day function like that. But so is this message. In fact, my suspicion is that everyone in this room, you will live to see that the message you will hear today will turn out to be one of the more valuable, practical messages you will ever hear because it's going to serve you in a future time, even though you're not going to like a lot of the things that you're going to hear today. Uh, let, let's talk about this book, the Bible, a little bit. First of all, the Bible is not just one book. It's 66 books contained in one book, written by 40 different human authors that the Spirit of God used, written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. Uh, and yet when you read it, there's this, this strange unity. You meet the same personage, the same being throughout the book. We have a little acronym. Uh, I, I did a thing back called the Bible. We do them called the Bible Institute, where we had one called... Uh, why or know why you believe is that right Kim why, why, why we believe and so if you want to go online and look at that it's, it's at the bottom of our YouTube page Bible Institutes and it shows that there's compelling evidences for this faith that we, we possess uh, evidences for the creation of the universe and so forth anyway uh, we had this little, little acronym for Bible 
its trustworthiness, its historical and archaeological accuracy, its evidence from science, although it's not a book of science where it speaks about science, it's accurate. For example, Isaiah 40, 22, written 700 B.C., says that the world was a sphere hanging on nothing, was round. We didn't know that back then. It's the best diagnosis of mankind's problems and needs. Indestructible message. Many, many, many have tried to destroy the Scripture, never been done. The biblical consistency and unity, I already touched on that. It's life-transforming universal influence. No matter what page or what time in human history or what geographical location the, the Bible is gone, those that trust in it, trust in its message, trust in its author, the creator of the universe, are positively transformed. And then this one. It's extensive prophetic accuracy. Now, that's where we're going today. What many of you don't know is that about one-third of the Bible is predictive prophecy. The Creator tells us in advance specific things that are going to occur, specific things in nations, individual names, and so forth. For example, in the book of Isaiah, it predicted that a, a Persian ruler named Cyrus, 175 years before he was ever born, it named his name and said exactly what he was going to do. There's multitudes of these prophetic portions of Scripture. And we're going to deal with the prophetic portions of Scripture today. Now, to give you a little bit more information about this, there's a guy I want to introduce to you. He's called Hugh Ross, and this is his website. It's called reasons.org. If, if you are one that loves to see proofs that the Bible is the Word of God and uh, you're interested in creation and so forth and science and how science and the Bible mesh up, this is a great site, reasons.org. Hugh Ross... Uh, and, and he's a he's a astro, Canadian astrophysicist. Uh, he and but he's also a, a fully devoted follower of Christ. He estimates that there's about 2,500 future predictive prophecies in the Bible, and that 2,000 of the 2,500 have already come to pass. Exactly, he believes with all of his heart that the last 500 will come to pass as well. We're going to talk about the predictive prophecies today and I'm going to give you an example of how uh, how pertinent this is let's look at something that's historical the birth of the nation Israel God chose to found the nation Israel to be a people that he would reveal himself to give to them his revelation they were to pen it down preserve it and pass it on so he founds this nation about 1460 BC now in 70 AD, a Roman general named Titus came, destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the temple, and Israel ceased to exist as a nation. Imagine the United States becomes conquered today by a nation, and we cease to exist. We, we're, the United States is no more. And, and yet, a book was written somewhere that says that after the United States ceased to exist as a nation and we its people let's say were scattered all over the world some book somewhere says predicted that in the last times of human history before the culmination of the age before the creator intervenes again that the nation would be regathered that is what the Bible says about Israel so put this in your mind they, they are destroyed as a nation in 70 AD for 1,878 years, Israel didn't exist. Anybody that wanted to make fun of the Bible could have made fun of it easily. They could have said, oh, the, the Bible keeps saying Israel's going to regain their land and their capital, but it's been like 1,800 years and there's no Israel. They don't exist. But in 
1948, after Hitler had attempted to kill every Jew on the planet, there were 11 million Jews during World War II. He killed 6 million of them. He almost did the job. But against all odds, Israel is reborn as a nation just like this Bible book, this inspired work of God said that they would be. They regained their capital in 1967 just like the Bible predicted they would. So I want, I want you to see that the prophetic, the future prophetic, predictive portions of the Bible have been proven again and again and again to be accurate. We are living at a time of unique fulfillment of predictive Bible prophecy. For example, uh, some of you might want to just jot this down in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, verse 5 and 6. It says that after Israel is re regathered to their land in the last days, it says that there'll be this list of nations that are going to come against them. Ezekiel 38, 5 and 6. You can write it down and look it up on yourself. And in that list of nations... Guess who's number one? Persia, which is Iran. It mentions Iran, it mentions Libya, it mentions Sudan, it mentions Turkey, that there will be a war. There's going to be a war, a massive war. In fact, there's going to be a few of them in the Middle East, but there's going to be one involving those nations. They all happen to be Islamic. So after 1,878 years, Israel is back in their land, and it just so happens that they're surrounded by these enemies that are all Islamic. And yet the Bible predicted it 2,609 years ago. So this just gives you a little, little bit of an example. So here's the truth, the uncomfortable, unpleasant truth. Some people today, I've said this just about every week in this series of messages about worship, some people today, probably lots of people today, that when you bring up the topic of worship to them, they just kind of give a shrug. It's like, hey, you know, whatever. Worship is, is optional. It's just something, if, if that floats your boat, if that makes you feel good, if you're all about that kind of thing, that's cool for you. But it, it's not a big deal. It's just not anything that really matters much concerning life. Here's what I want you to know. What the Bible predicts is that the world is rushing madly toward a global crisis that is going to center around worship. The, the last great crisis will be, who will each of us in this room worship? Remember what we said about worship is, is who are we going to give supreme regard to and supreme trust in? The Bible teaches that will be something that every human on this planet will suddenly have to answer. Now, the problem is this, that this last crisis of worship, it's going to introduce the greatest deception to mankind that has ever been before, and it's a deception about worship. Now, we're going we're gonna to probe in this. We're going to look in the book of Revelation a lot today. I don't recommend that you start your Bible reading journey in Revelation. You've got to kind of understand the rest of the Bible, particularly the book of Daniel a lot to, to know it. But I, I'm convinced I'm, I'm going to be able to let you read for yourself. It'll, it'll unpack itself for you today so that you'll understand this at least to some degree. All right, hang on. Here we go. Revelation 12. It says the great dragon was her. By the way, the whole Bible doesn't read this way, so don't think it's all about dragons and so forth. It, the rest of the Bible is pretty practical. But you'll see this is too. It interprets itself. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called who? The devil or Satan. See how it interprets itself? So the, the dragon is the symbol of his, his power, his ruthlessness, who leads the whole world astray. He's, he's behind the scenes. He's maneuvering things. He's creating values that are false and uh, stirring pursuits in us that lead us to dead-end streets and hurtful things to ourselves and others. But here's what you've got to get. 
so this this one called the devil or satan who leads the whole world astray he was hurled to the earth and his who his angels with him this has not happened yet there's some people who read the bible think this already happened this has not happened yet in fact when this happens this pretty much triggers the last three and a half years before Christ, the creator of the universe, returns to this planet. Jesus always promised he would return. This has not happened. You've got to get that in your head. This is physical. This is going to be very physical. Satan and his angels, and the scripture teaches about one-third are aligned with him against God. They are going to be forced to manifest themselves physically on this earthly plane to, to be visible to our eyes to our senses has not happened yet look at look at the rest of it. it says woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you and he is filled with what fury why why is he filled with fury because he knows that what his time is short three and a half years approximately and he does a scorched earth policy we understand scorched earth policies we, we we see terrible things day in and day out where people will barricade themselves in a house and they'll kill everybody in the house and then kill themselves too you know so the devil comes down knowing it's about to end for him that he literally only has about three and a half years left and so he's going to do all the damage that he can and he launches this massive last great deception of mankind and it centers around worship let's go on revelation 13 so we were in revelation 12 now we're in 13 people worship the dragon we learned the dragon is satan the devil people worship the dragon because he had given authority to the who now this is a new character this this is both an entity but it's an entity that is completely in league under the influence of satan so that people worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast and they also did what worship the beast now remember what do we say about worship worship is me having a conviction that someone is worthy of my supreme regard and trust my supreme allegiance okay so it says they gave supreme allegiance to the beast and they ask who is like the beast who can wage war against it? This hints at something. You're going to see that when you come to these portions of Scripture, Revelation chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19 of Revelation, it's pretty much the last three and a half years before Christ returns. But Revelation 6 up to 13, the earth is in bad shape. Now, I can't give you every single passage now, but I'll just kind of summarize the condition of the earth. When you come to this, where it says the people worship the beast, here's what's happened on earth. War, massive war has broken out, and the Bible gives a specific uh, number of how bad the war is, of people, the casualties, and it's about half the world's population are dead in a very short period of time. It says between war, between famine, and between disease, in a very short period of time, half the world's population is gone. If you read the, the chapters that go before this, about one-third of the earth's vegetation, trees, grass, is burned up. About one-third of the sea life is dead at this point. The earth is in a terrible, 
terrible state if you just look at the statistics there's about 8 billion of us now about 4 billion of us when you come to Revelation 13 have died through war through starvation and through diseases the earth is in the worst condition that it's ever been in in its history when you come to this portion of scripture who can wage war against it perhaps this is indicative that this entity this beast entity was able to put a stop to some degree to the war that had already taken half of the people off the planet who can make war against it the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies blasphemies is minimizing God it's treating God as though he doesn't matter it's shaming him it's disregarding him this entity has was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for how long 42 months 42 months is three and a half years this number comes up in scripture again and again and again if you were to go in the book of Daniel which was written about 600 years before the book of Revelation three times in the book of Daniel it talks about these last three and a half years 42 months it gives exact number of days in chapter 12 in Daniel so 42 months this entity three and a half years rules reigns over planet earth and is worshipped let's go on still talking about this entity it opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name now to slander is different than blasphemy slander it's to say dishonest things about someone that are meant to make that individual look bad to, to look as bad as they can be so it says this entity he blasphemes God and he slanders his name and his dwelling place meaning heaven so the entity says bad things about God bad things about heaven and those who live in heaven bad things about the inhabitants of heaven it was given power to wage war against who God's holy people and to do what who are God's holy people they are those that are authentic worshipers of God they have convictions that God the God of the Bible is worthy of our supreme regard supreme trust supreme allegiance this entity is given power to do battle this is going to be a persecuting power a power that's going to go after the followers of Christ that are still on earth during this period of time and it was given authority over every tribe it's not just the followers of Christ every tribe people language and nation so this this is going to be global governance for the first time in human history um, empire builders have always dreamt of this but they've never been able to succeed this there's going to finally be global governance and and one global religion all all inhabitants of the earth will what does it say worship you say what about atheists and agnostics <laughs> they'll worship too because you're going to see that what's required to survive this time in human history remember now half the world's population is dead one-third of the sea life is dead one-third of the earth's vegetation is burnt up the world is in a terrific crisis there's perhaps been a polar shift as well as a um, at least one asteroid strike it's it's bad conditions and so all whose names uh, all first of all all the earth will worship beasts all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain 
from the creation of the world. And this is talking about Christ. When Christ was walking uh, on the scene, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus sacrificed himself to demonstrate God's love for us, his trustworthiness. He gave his life on the cross for us to let us know he offers forgiveness of our sins and eternal life to anyone that will put their trust in him and become his follower. That is what it means to be a Christian. It is a decision to put one's trust in Christ and become his follower, give supreme regard to Christ and supreme trust to, God, to Christ or allegiance. So it says everybody on the planet is going to worship this beast entity except the followers of Christ. And because of that, we will be you know, probably pulled out and looked upon as those that are a disruptive force in society. We will be looked at maybe uh, those that are potential terrorists in society at this time. But I want you to see the earth, all the earth, all the inhabitants of the earth. That means Muslims are going to worship this entity. That means Hindus are going to worship this enemy, uh, entity. Buddhists are going to worship. Jews are going to worship. And lots of people that call themselves Christians are going to worship this entity too. All the inhabitants, agnostics are going to worship this entity. Atheists are going to worship this entity. There's going to be something so compelling and convincing about the circumstances and the lie that comes with this entity that suddenly worship won't be just, oh, man, it's optional. It's like if that's your thing, it'll be like, oh, yeah, we're worshipers. We supremely regard this entity, and we supremely trust this entity. We are his worshipers that, that that's what this is painting this is where society is moving let's go on then i saw a second beast it also forced all people great and small rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads so that they could not you got to let this sink in so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the what the mark now we have a global economic system. First, we have a global governance system. The beast is ruling over all the inhabited, inhabitants of the world. But now we have an economic system, and so it's a central currency. It's a digitized central currency that, that can be surveilled uh, successfully so that you can't buy anything. You can't get food. You can't get gas. You can't, you can't pay your mortgage unless you have the mark either on your hand or on your forehead. Who knows what the mark will be? It says later on, but, but it's a number, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Well, we're used to numbers. We're used to barcodes. We have barcodes all over the place, all over everything. So there'll be some kind of a, a mark on the hand, perhaps an invisible laser tattoo of some, some sort, who knows, or on the forehead that you and I, if we're alive, we won't be able to buy or sell unless we have the mark of the beast. Now, the mark of the beast means I worship the beast. Now remember what worship is. It's not like I'm dreading the beast. It, it, it's not like I'm just going along to get along. No, 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 no. That's not what's, what happens. The inhabitants of the earth, except Christians, it says, the inhabitants of the earth will really be convinced that the beast, this entity, this last global leader is worthy of our trust, worthy of our supreme regard, worthy to be honored, worthy to be followed. They will be enthusiastic. They will, they will look for him because it appears that he's able to end the wars that had decimated half of the planet's population at this point. He will show, you'll see in a minute, he'll show other powers that give hope to the people that we, we might be rescued by this entity 
so it says he causes everybody to get this mark so you have a global a global system now of of economics let me go on here's where we have to dig in understanding this deception in worship all right let's go back to the book of revelation let's look a little more carefully pick through some things we read this before but let's let's pick it apart a little bit again the great dragon was hurled down that ancient servant called the devil or satan who leads the whole world astray he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short we read this before as he comes down everything else starts to take off this this global system now jesus talks specifically about this event in matthew 24 matthew 24 is a good portion of scripture to, to read thoroughly it's where jesus he's only five days from the cross and he's predicting the future right down to the point of his return the events that are going to transpire jesus speaking he says for at that time remember satan and his angels are forced down into our physical earth realm at that time there will be great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now nor ever will again and if the days of the tribulation had not been cut short no human life would be saved but for the sake of the elect which are God's chosen ones meaning again those that have put trust in Christ and are his followers those days will be shortened again this is the last three and a half years of society before Christ intervenes, returns, sets up his kingdom on earth. But there's a, there's a deconstruction that's occurring. It's, it's the systemic evil of our planet starts to destroy its own self. Wars, famine, disease, and ultimately it ushers in this last economic system. Now Jesus gives this next warning, and this is critical. For false Christs, that word means messiahs, saviors, rescuers, false christs and false prophets will appear and they will provide great signs and wonders that's the exact same language that's used of the miracles that jesus did pause for a minute we've only had one christ that's appeared on this planet and the world is still influenced uh, two billion of us will openly identify as being followers of this christ even though two billion are probably not real followers nevertheless one christ who did miracles that no one has ever seen before who spoke things that no one's ever heard before jesus is saying that in this time of tribulation that the world has not seen the like but suddenly there's going to be the appearance of many that were like him that could do the miracles that he did and they come on the scene as rescuers they come as saviors what did we read in revelation 12 satan and his angels are hurled down to earth and when they come down to earth they set out to deceive and they say that they are our rescuers they are our saviors they are here to rescue us from this terrible time wars have decimated the planet famines decimated the planet asteroid strikes one third of the sea life dead and so forth so they come saying we're, we're here we're here to save you and they show power they show miraculous power just like jesus himself showed let's go on and look at this a little deeper in second thessalonians 2 the apostle paul talked about this if you read verses 1 and 2 he's talking about the return of christ read it sometime on your own he's saying concerning the return of christ let no one in any way deceive you or entrap you notice the emphasis on deception don't get deceived don't get deceived this last worship crisis is a, about deception 
Don't let anyone deceive you or entrap you. For that day, meaning the return of Christ, will not come unless the, what is that word? Apostasy. It's an, I know it's an unusual word. Here's what the word means. The word apostasy means a, a great falling away from religious affiliation. Picture all of a sudden, Hindus walk away from Hinduism. Buddhists walk away from Buddhism. Muslims walk away from Islam. Christians walk away from Christianity. Jews walk away from Judaism. Apostasy, something happens on the planet that causes people in mass to just toss their religious affiliations in the trash can. What could that be? What, what causes them to do this? We'll get to that later. Unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called, what is the word? God, God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, publicly proclaiming that he himself is who? Is God. We read about the beast entity that blasphemed God and slandered him and slandered heaven and slandered his inhabitants who put himself above them. And here it says that a real physical entity at least will look human. Uh, I'm not at all convinced that it is human. In fact, if you want to, how many here would be curious to know who the beast is? Just Can I see your hands? Would you be curious? Uh, you have to write this down. Look up, and, and I'm not saying this is ironclad, but look up, if you would, uh, Revelation chapter, in fact, let me, let me check my references here. I wrote them down. Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. Revelation 9, 11. Revelation 11, 7. Revelation 17, verse 8 and 11. I'll repeat it one more time. Revelation 9, 11. 11, 7. 7 chapter 17, verse 8 and 11. If you want to know who I suspect the beast is or what the beast is, it's not altogether human at all. Um, so here's this entity comes into a temple, a Jewish temple. There is no Jewish temple today, by the way. So that means that the temple has to be rebuilt before this can occur. But it comes into the temple and says, I'm the creator. I, I'm your God. Now that, that's pretty clear to know when it happens. You can't quite miss that. But it does this, and it's at this time of tremendous turmoil on earth when multitudes of these other false messiahs are on earth one of them steps forward and says I i'm god i'm your creator and perhaps spins the yarn that you know i'm back to rescue you in this terrible turbulent time let's go on the coming of the man of sin will fit how satan works the man of sin will show his power through all kinds of what signs and wonders same thing that was describing jesus miracles this entity that proclaims themselves as god sitting in a rebuilt jewish temple will show miraculous power exactly the sort that jesus had as well as those other false christs that may be in the thousands that are scattered all over suddenly in, on the planet these signs and wonders will do what will lead people astray it'll convince them and say wow maybe this is our creator maybe this is god look at the power look at the miracles we're, we're in trouble on planet earth then it gives this warning they perish the people that are led astray by the the miracles they perish because they refuse to what love the what 
the truth, when God's truth was presented to these people, they, they just shrugged their shoulders at it. They didn't care about it. They didn't, they didn't love it. They didn't embrace it. They refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe, what does it say? The, the what? The lie. We talked about this apostasy. Something's going to happen that causes Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims and Jews and Christians to depart from their religious affiliations. It's the lie. It's the lie that causes them to depart. It causes the apostasy. So what might this lie be? We'll get to that later. But let's look at this from another point. It said that everybody on the planet is going to worship the beast except those that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is the, the designation of those that have put trust in Christ and are his followers. So if you and I are alive on planet Earth when this happens, and we could be, how can we overcome this deception? How, how, how can we know what to do? How can we know what to expect? So let's look at that, overcoming this deception and worship. Remember it said all the inhabitants of the earth are going to worship this beast, this entity who proclaims to be God, who mocks the real God, who slanders his, his name and his people and so forth. Here's what Scripture teaches us. Revelation 13, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, meaning they joyfully give their supreme regard and supreme trust to the beast. Somehow he wins their trust. That is, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. When you put your trust in Christ and make a decision to become his follower, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You belong to the flock of the great shepherd. You are forgiven your sins. You possess eternal life in his kingdom. So your name is written down. So everyone else is going to evacuate their religious affiliations except the Christians. But having said that, there's every indication that a lot of people that say they're Christians now will evacuate their affiliation with Christ then because there's going to be a lot on the line. Remember, we, we read that you can't buy or you can't sell unless you have the mark of the beast, and you don't get the mark of the beast, and yet you have chosen to worship this new leader, this global leader, and his economic system. And so when you make that choice, you have cut yourself off at that point from any authentic trust supreme regard for Christ so how do we function how do we how do we overcome let's let's look on Revelation 12 tells us exactly how they meaning the Christ followers the authentic Christians they they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb well what does that mean it means that we know that our God loves us with a sacrificial love, that he's the greatest, most wonderful, the most pure, the most unselfish personage in the universe. He has proven that to us. He went to a cross to say, this is how much I am for you. This is how much I love you. You can absolutely trust me. When I tell you that your sins are forgiven, when I tell you you have eternal life by becoming my follower, trusting me, you can take it to the bank. I went to the cross to demonstrate, to prove my love, my devotion for you. That's what it means. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. It's this knowledge that our God is good all the time, totally trustworthy, entirely trustworthy. But that's not all. And they overcame by the word of their testimony. What does that mean? It means 
that they refuse to be silenced they refuse to stop speaking the truth about God and about about life they refuse to stop speaking about Christ even though the threat was on that if unless you worship this new uh, entity you could face death they refused they wouldn't be silenced how tempted are we to be silenced today <laughs> by just the social agendas that we face if the social agendas that are insane today will silence us will make us crawl in a fetal position and go silent what makes us think we'll stand when it's going to cost potentially our life and that's the next part of this passage about how Jesus' true followers overcome. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. They overcome by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to what? Shrink from death. Remember Jesus said in another portion of Scripture, he said, the one that denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Jesus said, you've got to be willing to take up your cross and follow me and die if necessary in your devotion to me. Jesus said, the one that stands firm until the end will be saved so these individuals these Christians that are alive during this time they overcome because they know that they can trust Christ his death proves the depth of his love and they won't stop telling their world about Christ and if it cost them their life they're willing to die for Christ that's how they overcome would we overcome right now if today was the day does that kind of worship that kind of trust that kind of supreme regard for Christ and the word of God exist in us today we must ask these questions it goes on Revelation 13 it says whoever has ears to hear let him hear if anyone is to go into captivity he's talking about the followers of Christ now God's warning us he's saying adjust your expectations when you go through this turbulent period if anyone who has ears to hear if he's to go into captivity into captivity they will go that means incarceration it means that some of the followers of Christ will be incarcerated because they are openly followers of Christ during this period of time if anyone is to be what is the word killed with the sword with the sword they will be killed the sword is just it's just talking about execution some of the followers of Christ will probably be deemed terrorists and threats to society and will be executed some will be incarcerated some will be executed it says this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of who God's people are we God's people so if we're alive during this time we must understand we are going to be persecuted we are going to be sought out we are going to in some cases be arrested we are in some cases going to be executed and we are going to be given an opportunity to stand steadfast and say kill me if you will I will never deny the one who loved me and proved it by sacrificing his life on the cross for me kill me if you will but I'll never depart in my faithfulness from him we will be given an opportunity to be God's last great generation of heroes on this planet and our testimony listen to me carefully our testimony our refusal to be silenced it will affect others it will bring some even in this turbulent time into the family of God listen to the book of Daniel talk about what the followers of Christ will be doing Daniel wrote this about 600 years before Jesus even but he wrote about this specific period of time listen to these verses Daniel 11 it says those 
with spiritual understanding will have a wide ministry of teaching in those days. The those days are the time when the beast is reigning. But, but even though they're going to have a big teaching ministry, there's going to be a lot of people ready to, ready to hear, ready, ready to be taught. But they will be in what? Constant danger. And many of them, what? Dying by fire and the sword. Again, it's just forms of execution. And many of them are going to be what? Jailed and pillaged, robbed. So it's saying the followers of Christ are still going to be teaching. They're still going to be moving people toward God during this time, but they're going to be in constant danger. And some are going to be executed, and some are going to be jailed, and some robbed. Daniel 12, it picks up the same theme. It said, but those who can discern will shine like the brightness of heaven's dome, and those who turn many to what? During this period, many will be reached. Many will, won't worship the beast because the bold, pure-hearted, sacrificial, loving Christians will risk life and their well-being to continue to speak the truth and plead with people to turn to the true God, to worship the true God, even though it may cost them greatly. They'll, they'll shine like the stars forever, and they'll, they'll lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I want everybody in this room, I just want you to shine. I want you to shine like the stars forever. I don't want you caught off guard. I risk giving a message like this, knowing that it's not something that most people want to hear, that it can be shocking, it can be discouraging, but I want you to at least be warned. I want you to be aware. I want you to be able to shine when life turns dark, should it turn dark in our lifetime. Now, before... Don't, please don't put that quote up yet. Before we go somewhere, I want to I paint a scenario because I've been kind of leading up this. I keep saying, what is the lie? What, what could this lie be that so causes Hindus to leave Hinduism and Buddhists to leave Buddhism and Jews to leave Judaism and Christians to leave Christianity and, and Muslims to leave Islam? And so well, what, what kind of a lie might it be? Well, it says that Satan and his angels will be forced into our physical realm, forced down to earth. They will be visible. They will masquerade as false Christ, false messiahs. They will do miracles because they are angels. They have, they have supernatural power. What if when Satan and the angels show up, uh, you know, Satan doesn't do something like, uh, you know, hello, my name is Satan. I'm here with my boys, the real hell's angels. <laughs> and we're going to rock and roll, you know. I mean, what, what, if, what if when they're forced down into our plane, they say, look, we are your founders. We are your creators. The universe is teeming with life, and, and we go all over the universe planting life like yourself, humanoid life, on exoplanets planets that have great conditions like you know water and oxygen so we, we know now there's billions of these exoplanets like earth and so we're back because you're in terrible times we planted life on your earth in fact if you look and by the way you can check this out every tribe and culture on the planet has almost an identical storyline when they trace back their origins go to africa go to china go to south america go anywhere and go, go to the american indians and you'll hear the same storyline the gods from above came down 
and they started life on our planet they started civilization they taught us their ways same storyline the gods at one point left planet earth but they always promised they'd come back megalithic structures all over the planet megalithic structures we would have a hard time building today as evidence that there was a time when entities were on this planet that were far more sophisticated and intelligent and technologically sophisticated than we so what if when satan and his boys come down they say you know the universe is teeming with life forms and we we plant life you know on opportunistic planets and we did it on yours and and yeah i i'm technically i am your creator uh, i headed up the project and this one that says i am your creator i am your god there, there's nobody don't go thinking that you know all your religions have any truth in them because the truth is as we've interacted with you through the millennia through the thousands of years each of your religions were spawned by your fragmental interaction with us i'm your creator i'm your god nobody's going to rescue you nobody's more powerful than i am this one entity says and sits in the rebuilt jewish temple declaring that and all of a sudden with a big sigh of relief hindus and buddhists and jews and muslims and christians they all say now we know the truth we never we never knew the truth our religious writings were just full of you know pieces of the truth but now we know the truth here's our creator he's right here with us and and they do this all over the universe we we knew somehow we knew that there was life everywhere so now if you're here to rescue us half the population is dying in war and famine and disease remind you of what i said one third of the the you know earth's vegetation has been burned through the war and so forth one third of the ocean life has died the planet is in terrible condition desperately needing to survive and these entities say we started life on your planet and now we're back here to rescue you but we got to tell you something as we said we're not the only ones in the universe there's lots of other life forms and we know for a fact there's this one other group they've got their eye on you guys and they're coming soon they're going to be here soon they're going to take you take your planet destroy it but we're here and if you unite with us we can we can wage war against them and we can fight them off slander god slander the people in heaven it says about the beast the army that they will warn about if you read about in revelation 19 it's actually christ and his angels returning to earth but they spin this lie the ultimate lie and multitudes sigh with relief and believe it and align because they're offering economic survival get the mark and you and your kids don't you deprive your kids if you love your kids you better take that mark because you know we're starving to death on this planet wars have decimated everything if you love yourself and you love your kids take the mark we're going to we're going to bring in a new day a new day of equity it's going to be a beautiful new beginning but i've got to have your allegiance we can't tolerate anybody being ignorant anymore thinking that these religions have any truth in them we we can't tolerate people with other ideologies anymore we're all going to unite under the beast because that's the only way we can survive plus we know the beast is, is our god he's our creator and his his fellows with him are, are co-creators in this whole thing and so the world it says all the inhabitants of the world except the christians follow the beast now you got to ask yourself how would you stand up in a scenario like that 
Let me, let me share some quotes with you that are, that are and I could give you quotes all day long, but, but here's just a few. I was the first lieutenant at the Maelstrom, or, yeah, Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, USA, on uh, March 24th, 1967. A UFO hovering over the base had deactivated 10 intercontinental missiles. They all became inoperative. And here's the, you know, this lieutenant's name. Let me go on. Here's another one. At least four different species of aliens have been visiting Earth for thousands of years. Some of the extraterrestrials look like us and could walk down the street without, what does it say? Anyone even noticing it? They just look like us. You might be one today. <laughs> now look who this came from. And I have seen this guy and heard him speak. Paul Theodore Heiler, former defense minister of Canada and a 22-year member of the Canadian cabinet. This, this, we're, we're talking people with tremendous credibility are saying these things about alien life. And let me show you the last one. I and some others had the privilege to be officially informed that our planet has already been visited by extraterrestrials and that the UFO phenomenon is real. Look who it is. Dr. Edgar Dean US, Mitchell, U.S. astronaut, captain of Apollo 14, and the sixth human being to the moon. These entities arrive, and they don't arrive. Let me introduce myself. I'm Satan, and these are my hell's angels. They say, no, 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 we're extraterrestrials, and the universe is teeming with extraterrestrial life, but, but we are your creators, and we are here to rescue you, but you have to be all in with us because there's another group that's coming. Their eye is on your planet, and unless you align with us, we can't support you sufficiently to ward this other group that's coming, this other group of aliens that are coming with bad designs. Now, the other group of aliens, it's not aliens at all. It's Christ and his angels. You can read about it in Revelation 19. Now, you say, Randy, this sounds like science fiction. I agree. I agree. It does. But the Bible has proven that its predictive prophecies come to pass again and again and again. Hugh Ross, that astrophysicist that I talked about, the Canadian astrophysicist, out of the 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, predictive prophecies, he says about 2,000 of them have already come to pass. We're living at a time when the final ones are coming to pass right before our eyes. So the question, the question we've got to answer is who do we really worship? Who do we really worship in spirit and in truth? Because it will be tested. I, I, I think the likelihood is exceedingly strong that even me at my age and most of you will live to see this last test on planet earth this worship test and the only way that we're going to pass that test is to settle in our souls now who do we supremely regard supremely trust do we love this one we call Jesus so much that we we want to be like him and we're going to live the rest of our lives getting to know him, getting to serve him, getting to share with others about him. We're, we're going to do everything in our power the rest of our life to, 
see to it that we can partner with him in seeing his kingdom expanded and even if it costs us if the day comes when I have to sacrifice food and water and sustenance when the only way I can get what I need to survive is to submit to the allegiance of this, this entity the beast that I think is the entity that comes out of the, uh, the abyss in Revelation 9 11 I'm not going to do it I'll be just as scared as any of you I'll be just as desperate as any of you but my heart's been prepared for this for a long, long time, frankly. When I was 25 years old was when I first had this thing kind of explode on my sights. I became a Christian at 23, at 25, and I can't explain exactly how this happened, but, but suddenly it was just impressed on me that I would live to see these things occur. And we are, we are fast moving toward this. How many of you just recently saw a thing on TV where, where they actually now have earbuds, earbuds that read your thoughts? And they are suggesting these be used in the workplace so you can't play with your social media without uh, artificial intelligence knowing from your earbuds what you are thinking. How many have recently seen this on TV? This is not fake. This is now. The technology, the surveillance society that we live in, it's all moving toward this last global governance and global religion. We have to know who we are and settle in our souls. Now, I don't want you going home in a panic. I don't want you going home discouraged. I want you going home informed. I want you going home making sure of who you are. Have you chosen to put your supreme regard in the Lord Jesus Christ, the real creator of the universe? Have you made your decision to put your trust in him? And regardless of who anybody else follows, You've got convictions about him that he's worthy of your trust and you're going to follow him and you're following him right now fully. He says, do it, you do it. He says, stop it, you stop it. You're following him freely. He's won your trust, won your affection and you're going to follow him forever because that is what it means to be a Christian and it will be tested. It'll get tested tomorrow. Probably get tested before you get out of the parking lot today. I want you to shine. I want you to be God's last generation heroes. And I believe with all my heart that is a high likelihood, at least with some of us. And I want you to look forward to the fact that God looked down through time and he chose you and I to be here now if we are the last generation. He knew what he was doing. He gave us this privilege. He gave us this honor. I want you to cherish it. I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to start right now refusing to be silenced by our culture, speaking up for Christ, speaking the truth in love, and doing everything that you can to be a bridge between someone else and the love of God. We, we can start that right now. So, well, thank you. So let's pray because I don't know how you're, you're feeling, but I, I know how I'm feeling. Father, you, you see us and you know we are, we are fragile creatures and we get scared really easily. And we love life and we want to see good days, but we know that your kingdom will more than make up for whatever we go through here. Give us the determination that we will be faithful in every circumstance and we'll start tomorrow. We won't just wait until this worship crisis comes. We will be faithful tomorrow and the next day and the next and the next until your kingdom and your coming is a reality. We worship you today, Lord Jesus, and we give thanks to you for this opportunity to hear the truth 
It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.